Hello, I'm Di Redmond, and I'm your host for today's Songs in the Wilderness. In this programme, we listen to the songs that have influenced our guests throughout their life and have influenced their faith too. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to Bill Merrick, formerly from Luton, now living in Cambridge, teacher, deputy head, teacher trainer, uh, writer and musician. Bill, it's lovely to have you on the programme. Welcome. It's very nice to be here, Di. <laughs> really pleased to see you. Let's start at the beginning. You were born in Luton, where you lived on a newly built council estate with a nearby new Catholic church serving the large growing Catholic community. Can you remember those days, Bill, when your dad made cars and your mum made hats? I certainly can. That, that makes me the typical Luton boy. Everybody's dad made cars and everybody's mum made hats. That's just what the town was for in those days. Is that why the football team's called the Hatters? It certainly is, yes. <laughs> and I do have a straw hat, yes. <laughs> but, so, seriously, why did they make hats? What's, what's the tradition? Was it because it was wet and, and damp and they could wind straw or something? What, why there? Uh, it started with Bedfordshire growing the straw. Ah, and right. the the hat industry grew up round the the straw plat industry. Oh, okay. And so that that was that story. It settled in Luton for the manufacture. And and then what what about like did your dad immediately get a job? Is is that exactly why they went there? Because there was work there. That's exactly what in my mind Luton is to be proud of. There is always work in Luton. Luton will support you. Um, there's always jobs for you. So my dad was from Manchester. Oh, OK. So he drifted up a bit. In the 30s, he, yeah. he moved out from the family seat in <laughs> Manchester uh, to Luton looking for work and was there uh, ready to make the tanks for World War II. In? Churchill Tanks are Vauxhalls. Not many people know oh, that. Oh, I didn't know that. And I'm writing about World War II. Well, there you go. So what, the Churchill Tanks were made actually in Luton? Yes, they were. In the Vauxhall factory? Yes, my dad was uh, a toolmaker, actually. He, was, he made the machine tools that made the tanks. And my mum was drafted in from the hat factory to build gearboxes. I'm going to put that in my book. Mm. <laughs> so that, that, that must have been very, very common to be conscripted like that for women to be moved sideways yes. in World War II. Well, the milliners, of course, their, their skill uh, is 3D imagination. They can see things in three dimensions as they build the hat, and it's a transferable skill. It works well on gearboxes. <laughs> That's such a brilliant idea. Now, your family roots, your Irish roots, actually go back quite a bit further to, I think it's round about the time of what was it, 1830, when they moved to Ancoat in Manchester during the potato famine? That's right. We're, we're uh, proud to be potato famine refugees. Uh, who uh, An enormous proportion of, of England's Catholic community arrived in England at that point, um, fleeing the famine. And uh, many ended up in Liverpool and many more ended up in Manchester in an area called Ancoats. Is that north or south of Manchester? Oh, it's more or less central. It's Manchester's East End. It, it, so is it is it uh, is it near Piccadilly? Yes, it is. Right. Round the back of. Round the back of Piccadilly. Oh, of course, the Ancoats factory. Yeah, I remember yes. that. Yes, and it was all the, that. That is the dark satanic mills. Oh. Uh, that's the community that Engels wrote his famous treatise on the condition of the working class in England, and he described it as being hell on earth. What a thought! And you visited 
your great-great-grandmother's grave recently, didn't yeah. you? Yes, we went up, uh, we had a... Well, my cousins are still there. Well, oh. some of my cousins are still there. Not in Ancoats, they're all uh, living in the suburbs now, of course. Mm. And Ancoats itself is very... Um, salubrious. Salubrious, it is. And a wealthy... It's the place to live. Well, anything around Piccadilly with a, with a view along the canal is... Exactly. ...quids in. So we went and we, um, we've been doing our... Uh, family history and uh, I put it all together as a powerpoint being a teacher I couldn't resist doing it as a powerpoint <laughs> and we had a cousin's weekend enjoying it all and then we made the um, adventure to find Mary's grave it's a pauper's grave she died in the workhouse oh but you found it. we found it it's very overgrown but we did found the place and we left her a bunch of flowers and said some prayers and we think that's probably the first bunch of flowers she's had for 150 years if, in fact, it might even be the first bunch of flowers she's ever had. Oh, wonderful. She did bring up 14 children. That's incredible. Mm. So what age was she when she died? Do oh, 80-something, yes. Oh, she lived to be ancient. Yeah, and she was deaf because of the enormous noise in the cotton mill where she worked. Yeah, the clatter of the, the looms. That's right. Oh, heaven, we must move on. This is just... Mm. You have thought about writing all this down, haven't you? Uh, well, I have got it written down. I've not got it in the form of a book yet. Well, you should you should think about it. It's a great story. So, moving on to more recent times, you enjoyed your time at Luton Grammar, around which time this is the significant musical moment. Da da! You got involved with the Luton Junior Brass Band. That's right. As as um, as the way it worked in those days is, my dad knew a chap up the pub that lived down the road from us, and he was in the Luton band, and he just taught me to play informally on a battered up old cornet that they'd found in the cupboard at the Luton band. And uh, then they started a junior band, uh, to a training band, and I joined that when I was about 13-ish. And uh, that was the beginning of my musical life, yes. So did you take to it like a Dr Water? Yes, I did. I loved my cornet from the very beginning, although I don't play a cornet now. I've still got that one, though. Oh, but uh, I play a euphonium now. But yes, I did take to it. And um, and you met your wife, your wife-to-be, at something like 15. Didn't you? you met Judy. That's right. I was just arriving at band practice one evening. Um, she walked and in. She, walked, she arrived at the door at the same time as me. And I can still remember our first conversation, which was, is this the Luton band room? <laughs> yes. And that was the first words we ever said to each other. And you were both 15? Yes. And what did Judy play? A trumpet, a cornet. Ah, cornet. ah so you stood next to each other? Yes. How romantic. Right, so, talking of music, we're on to your first choice of music. Can you tell us why this, this first piece is so important to you? Yes, and in a religious sense, it's a hymn. It's Abide With Me. Everybody knows Abide With Me, but I've chosen... Uh, a, a brass band arrangement, no vocals, um, because to me um, it's the sound it makes as much as the words. The sound of a brass band playing hymns is um, was is always evokes religious feelings in me. Always does, and um, this one in particular. And this is the Grimethorpe Colliery Band, isn't it? Is that is that near Manchester? I don't know. I think it's Yorkshire, but I'm not sure. OK, let's have a listen. <laughs>
That was Abide With Me, played by the Grimethorpe Colliery Band. What a great choice to start with. So from Luton, uh, from Luton Grammar, you moved swiftly on. You must have been a busy, busy teenager to Pembroke College in Cambridge. Yes, I did. Was your faith very strong at this time or were you at all wavering at, like, like a typical teenager? I can't say I ever wavered, but I became a little unobservant at times mm. but uh, I was lucky enough when I arrived at Cambridge to latch on to the Fisher House the Catholic chaplaincy oh, of course. within a week or two of arriving I somehow found it and the great chaplain there dear Richard Inkledon um, looked after me and my faith all that time and uh, that's where you move from your childish faith to your adult faith yes yes was that in um, well before the new building the uh, yes, I mean Fisher House itself, the the old building yeah, is yeah. hundreds of years old. But yes, it, well, there was where we now have the chapel. There was a place that well, it was like a church hall. We called it the Fisher Hall, and it yes. was inside it like a church hall. Yes, yeah, yeah. Mm. No, it's uh, it's vital that, that you link up at that time when you arrive because it's you must have been quite lonely, weren't you? Uh, or were you too n- excited? No, no, I don't do lonely. <laughs> <laughs> I was fine. <laughs> so. You went one way to Cambridge and uh, your beloved Judy went to University College. That's right. We, we kept the, uh, the line between Cambridge and King's Cross very busy for the next four years. And what did you study at, Pem- at Pembroke? Well, I was a natural scientist, a oh. natsky as they say now, um, doing all the biologies, um, but in particular psychology, which was treated in those days as one of the biologies. So... Uh, my part two, my final year, was psychology. Oh, really? Is that when you were thinking of becoming an educational psychologist? That was the plan. That was the plan. But to do that, and I set off confidently to do that, you have to train to be a teacher first. Yes, So I did do. that. Yeah, then yeah. you have to have some years of experience as a teacher. So I did that. But by the time I was ready to go back to university college, funnily enough, and um, get my ticket to practice as a psychologist, I... I didn't want to. I was happy teaching. Yes. Isn't it interesting mm. how, how life works out? And all this time, was music a thread running through your life? Yes, it was. We, um, while I was here at college, uh, brass took a rest. I couldn't find a, a combo to play with that I liked. I played my guitar. It was folk music era, wasn't it? Oh, yes. And uh, back in Luton, we moved back to Luton for our life, um, I'd, I joined a band again but also the guitars in church we we played guitar with a children's choir both of us playing guitar uh, in what we used to call the folk mass yes well um the the folk mass still exists as live and well in uh, our ladies in Cambridge. yes it is so um that was you continued i'm just traveling through your faith journey you continued at fisher house yes and but at that doesn't, you didn't do any music there. That was just No, I just was a, a mascot, yeah. yes. And did you do Evensong and were you interested in, in choral singing? I started to become slightly interested at that point, but actually that set in a little later in life. OK, we'll, we'll come to that. Yes. So we're up to your second piece of music, which is um, Steel Eye Span, Somewhere Along the Road. Can you explain why this one is as important to you Can you, and, and introduce it, please? Well, um, yes, it is, this comes out of my interest in the late 60s and 70s folk music. Steel Eye Span was the big band. Maddie Pryor oh, yes. was their singer. And 
her song was um, that I love is Somewhere Along the Road. the road sung by muddy prior from steel ice bound it's a beautiful song is it i love it yes why do you love it so much well it, it's it, again it's the sound of it rather like abide with me it has to me a, a spiritual dimension but it's also links to my religious sentiment i suppose the idea that we're all trying to find our way home yeah, yeah. and that there's someone there for us when we get there oh that's a lovely thought bill so our, may, our music choices this morning have been chosen by my guest, Bill Merrick, musician and former teacher from Luton, now living in Cambridge. So we're up to your, you've, you've finished, you've graduated um, and you're moving back to Luton. Yes. And you and Judy marry and settle back down in the place you grew up with your friends and family. Was it good to be back home or were you, were you sort of restless? Um. It was good to be back home, um, but uh, a link had been forged with Cambridge that was uh, never to be broken. So uh, I can't say I was restless, but I was always um, still linked to Cambridge in my heart. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, Luton was fine. It was my own hometown and um, I was I enjoyed my work teaching. And Judith was working in the Luton and Dunstable Hospital. Oh, right. Which so, was right next to the school I was teaching at. So that was very handy. <laughs> handy for A&E. Yes. <laughs> um, and then it sounds like your teaching career really rattled very, very swiftly from, you know, teacher and then teacher trainer and then head of department and then head of science and deputy head. So you were taking on a lot of responsibilities. Yeah, that's not quite the sequence, but I ended up as a teacher trainer. They use us old ones to train oh, yes, the young they ones. Do. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so were you actually supervising training teachers around the whole of the Luton area? Yes, and uh, a big, we had 100 trainees and I was in, the course your... director of it, in fact. Goodness. Did you never want to actually teach in the tra- teacher training college? Are we? No, I did teach the, in the teacher training oh, college, and I was did. well. I was the director of it, in oh. fact. But I, I was also teaching. I taught taught the psychology on it. Did you? Obviously, there's quite a bit of that in a teacher training course. There is indeed. Yes. So, who were, were you? Were you teaching? Um, which which books were really like the Bible at that time for teacher teacher training? The psychology, I mean. Uh, well, it's psychology is an interesting subject that fashions come and go i know exactly that's why i asked the question so we still did piaget yes in those days yeah yeah is uh, he out now because i can never imagine him being out he's not out but he's many more have joined the 
the bandwagon. The, yes, exactly. Mm, yes. So um, how did you manage all this with the music and the family or the family musical too? Well, the, that was all a bundle. Um, the school and the work was a bundle. I was teaching in a school. We had a school band, a uh, concert band, uh, brass and woodwind. That's what you have in schools, gives everybody a go. So I just played with that in a manner of speaking. That was part of my job, working with the school band. Oh, right. So I got to play. And then over the next 40 years, that we started an adult band in the evenings at the school oh. um, for the children that we taught to be bands people in the daytime. They could join the evening band as they left school. And I played in that band for 30 years. So the band just got bigger and bigger. Well, yes, as well, it reached equilibrium. People were joining as fast as they left. But yes, we, we kept a core of people. So I'm, I'm still in contact with people that were children when I was first teaching in the 70s. And we were there we were playing in the band 30, 40 years later. And where did you perform? I mean, was it always in the Luton area? Yes, yes. Church halls and fates and, you know, that sort of thing. Wonderful. Local band, local music. Did you ever... Did you ever do that processing where you play the music and, and you know, you're processing through the streets at some big event? I've done that. I often wonder how you can do that. It's very hard. I've done that in my recent life playing with Ely, the City of Ely Military Band, oh. and we've done marching and playing, and it's a, a difficult call. Yeah, cause But you... not the Luton Concert Band. We just did concerts. Right, OK. So... Um, and also, in between all the other things you're doing, um, you were writing textbooks for um, OUP and Let's. Yes, just science school books. Just. Yes. <laughs> well, they're, they're, the skill is in the... It's something more like journalism than academia. The skill is in the writing and the communicating. The science is simple science in a school textbook. but It's, right. it's grabbing the audience, isn't yes, it? Yes, exactly right. So are they still rolling? Are you still getting copyright? Yes, I do get a little bit of money trickling in from time to time in royalties. Not much now. But it's gratifying to think those books have lasted. Yes. Because uh, science doesn't change. Or, or, or does it? Must get. No, science doesn't change. But the, uh, the, the prevailing wind of the style of science that you're required to teach changes from time to time. So you have to update the, the pedagogy that lies behind the right. writing and did you enjoy that that um exercise of writing books oh i did i liked it very much and i enjoyed um judith and i both enjoyed going over to oxford for the publishers lunches and there's, oh, yes. a, there's a good game to play there yes yes it's excellent it, <laughs> well there's got to be some perks <laughs> that's right that right we're up to your third piece of music goodness there's so much to talk about um the, which is another wonderful wonderful song um how Great They Are, by Johnny Cash. Yes. Why, is the, why, why did you choose Johnny Cash? Well, because I first came across this hymn when we were playing the guitars for the folk mass. Oh, OK. And, in fact, our daughters learnt their music um, sitting sandwiched between us and our guitars while we were playing for the mass. <laughs> so they, Angela and Lucy both soaked up their music that way <laughs> as tiny children. And this is when I came across this song. And the, the children used to bash it out with great enthusiasm. And uh, I became extremely fond of it. Why Johnny Cash? Yeah. Well, to not me... Not Elvis, not Elvis. Oh, uh, well, I did think about Elvis mm. 
Uh, he does a great version, but to be honest, it's not stood the test of time. It's schmaltzy. The Jordan airs in the background rather overdo it. Right, OK. Let's hear Johnny Cash. How great thou art, how great thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art, when Christ shall with shouts of acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill my heart then I shall bow in humble adoration and then proclaim my God how great thou art Then sing my soul My Savior God to thee How great thou art How great thou art Then sing my soul My Savior God to thee The studio is rocking. It's such a fabulous, fabulous version. And no wonder Angela and, Angela and Lucy loved it. Yes, it's got uh, it's that bounce along feeling yeah. and it's got that very strong revivalist flavour. Funnily enough, it's it's not an American hymn originally. It was Swedish, but it's got that flavour of Swedish. Yes, it sounds like Little House on the Prairie and <laughs> general American. But do you, do you still sing it as a family? Do you just <laughs> yes, that will never die in our house. It's uh, <laughs> how sweet. And it, to me, again, it's picking up the science. It's a scientist's hymn. Mm. It's uh, uh, when I in awesome wonder think of all the worlds thy hand has made. It's got science in there. It's beautiful. But it's that uh, the feeling it evokes. Yeah, it's very uh, powerful. I've never yes. heard it sung so powerfully. Mm. So um, we're now. Well, he heavens, we've reached an yet another phase in your busy life. Um, you really packed it in, you and Judy. Um, is it Judy or Judith? Uh, it's either. Okay. Um, so tell us about when you both became lay, lay Benedictines and how on earth did you have the time? Well, um, you just have to do everything quickly. That's how you find the time. <laughs> yes, we became... Um, lay benedictines while we were in Lutz and I was working in the evenings as a 
a marriage guidance counsellor, being a psychologist. Uh-huh. Um, voluntary, uh, it was called the CMAC in those days, Catholic Marriage Advisory Council. Oh, OK. I think it has another name now, but I don't yeah. do that anymore. And Judith was doing that as well. We were doing the Engaged Couples courses. So you worked in tandem? Yes. Yeah, right. And uh, that was just church volunteer work. But at that time, we met another one of the counsellors who had been going to Easter at Worth Abbey, which is a Benedictine monastery, uh, and thought we would like to do that. You go and it's a boys' public school. Mm -hmm. Very famous boys' public school. Yes, Catholic boys' public school, and they... In the Easter holiday, the boys have all gone home mm. and they run these um, well retreats. They do Easter at Worth. Yeah, I went to something similar, Easter at Downside. Yes, very similar thing. Yeah, very, very moving, very profound. It's lovely. Mm. So doing that, we discovered that there was a lay community of St Benedict attached to Worth Abbey. Oh. And you could join that. Uh, which we did, and we became lay Benedictines. Which so what does that mean? How does that pan out in 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 practical terms in in your busy life? Well, we uh, in our everyday life, of course. I mean, the whole thing about b- being a Benedictine, a Benedictine monk, is living in community. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, but we don't. And the rule of Saint Benedict is very largely about how to live spiritually and happily with other people. And, well, we have a community of two in in our little Benedictine house. So we get together with the other lay community members. There's two or three hundred of us whenever we can. We gather at Worth Abbey and in other places. How how amazing. So you so as a, a, a little group you just make sure you keep in touch and then That's right. There's local groups, there's an East Anglian group as well with maybe fifteen, twenty of us meet. Well, in our house or somebody else's house. And do you always have your retreats at Worth or do you... you... No, no, there's one at Kevin Lee that's the Easter one now, funnily enough. We we, we have um, independent now of Worth Abbey, still best friends with them, mm-hmm. but we run our own show now. Oh, do you? We are the lay community of St Benedict um, rather than the Worth Abbey lay community. Oh, OK. So we're an independent and separate organisation, but still best friends with Worth and we go there a lot. And do, is there a lay community here in Cambridge? There is just the local chapter of the LCSB, yes. Oh, so do you, do, you can cross cross paths at all times? Oh yes, we see. And and there's a, a very, very strong online LCSB community where uh, we meet every day for the offices. I could do all of the monastic offices online if I wanted. With, Did that start before Zoom? Uh, it's uh, roughly the same. It started mm. during COVID. Yeah, no, but, it, uh, it, yes. that changed everything. That That's right, it did. The fact that you could hear mass online. Mm. Yeah. But still, you're still in Luton. I'm just getting into the Still in Luton, yes. And then what was the urge to move to Cambridge? Well, uh, after uh, a little short careers, 40-odd years working, uh, it was looking forward to retirement. And in fact, the, the family end side of Luton had uh, faded away. The older relatives had died. The cousins had moved away. And um, we were time to do something different. Yeah. And so we um, moved back to Cambridge where our daughter had settled working as a doctor. 
So that's why we came to Cambridge, really, to be right, near so, the grandchildren that were so, starting to appear. Yeah, so the circle the, the, it came full circle. Exactly. How nice. How very nice. And so you're back at... Um, at, at Fisher House and yes. you go to Our Ladies in town as well. Yes, uh, we had a, a, a long, Not. long and happy relationship with Olem mm-hmm. and uh, we did everything there is to do as a parishioner. We did the coffee after mass. I was on the community council. I was a governor of the school. You did all that. Loved Olem. Um, but then, um, well, life's just taken me to um, Fisher House now. Back to Fisher House. Yes, that's yes. right. And you're very involved there. I mean, you're even actually looking after the, the is it the the rooftop garden? Yeah, well, yes, we're we're doing the Mary Garden on the That's on the rooftop. Lovely. Yeah, um, that it was a pre-existing thing that uh, Father Mark, the previous chaplain, had put together. But it had died. Um, he had been ill, and he died, and nobody looked after it for a long time. So we inherited a lot of plant pots with labels uh-huh. um, it's uh, a lovely thing that you're doing actually yes. he was the most wonderful wonderful priest he was and it's uh, these labels are so interesting that the number of plants that are named for the virgin mary there's obviously rosemary yes and mary golds yeah oh, right. but lavender is mary's drying bush they've all got folklore and uh, These are the ones he planted. Yes, and there's, he, he spirit he sorted out, researched every plant that's got a, a nickname to do with Mary. How and fabulous! There's Mary's shawl, Mary's drying bush, Mary's eyes. Forget me nots are Mary's eyes. Oh, that wonderful blue. Yes, and so on. There are just so many plants with some name link to the Virgin Mary. But can you actually find the ones that have now died off? Can you actually get back? Uh, oh, yes, we just go to Philly Moors or Scottsdale's. You can get them. And, yes, I mean, they're ordinary plants. Forget-me-nots, yeah. sorrel, Mary's sorrow. Sorrel is oh. Mary's sorrow. They're ordinary plants that we're just gradually restocking with. Oh, I'd love to see it. Well, any time. Right, we're up to your fourth and final piece of music. A fabulous, fabulous piece, yet again. Can you explain why this is so important to you, so precious? Uh, well, to me, it's probably my top piece of religious music. Mm. Uh, it's properly a, a Good Friday, Easter thing. It's Lord Have Mercy, written by Allegri. And I've heard it sung live, for, luckily enough, at, at Pembroke College, when and my daughter was in the choir... Uh, when she was an undergraduate, and I've heard it sung in Olem by Olem's choir, so I've heard it live on several occasions. But for me, it just, again, sums up those same spiritual feelings that abide with me and how great thou art evoke as well.
That was the choir boys singing the Allegri Miserere. Bill Merrick, thank you for a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful entertaining morning and for your amazing music choices. I will never forget Johnny Cash. I'm delighted to hear it. <laughs> and, and for sharing your memories here with us at Radio Maria. They were such wonderful memories, such God-blessed moments. Thank you very much. And good luck with all your other projects. I'm sure you will be busy with several more by the time we next meet. We will. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us this morning for Songs in the Wilderness. Goodbye for now. <laughs>